stand for the call to worship. We give praise and thanks to our God. Who is our hope in hard times? Who is our joy to please? Come, let us worship our God.
You may be seated. And as you are, let me welcome all of you to worship today at Southside Baptist Church here in the heart of Five Point South in the city of Birmingham. We are grateful to be able to be here and to worship and to lift our voices in songs of praise as we worship together, as we dedicate ourselves to carrying out the mission that God has called us all to uh, have and to carry out in our own life. Here at Southside, the mission building an inclusive community of grace means that we welcome all who come into this place with open arms, that we call forth those gifts that you have as best we can as you uh, demonstrate to us the, the love that you have as we have already done so with you. So we desire to welcome you, each person, into a time of worship, into a time of fellowship as a part of the family of God. We gather here each week, and each week we trust that as a family of faith here, that those guests who come in are received with the warmth that we have experienced in the past. So we trust that you have, if you're our guest, have received that today. We would like to have a record of everyone who is attending today. And if you could take the uh, little blue notebook at the end of each pew and write in there your name and any other information you would like to share with us. Today is, uh, is a little bit different. And I want to ask you to do something we don't typically do, and that is... I want you to, at this point, if you will, just pass the peace of Christ among you right where you are to those that are close by. If you need to stand up and do so, then stand up, but just turn to them or stand up and say, may the peace of Christ be with you, and you can reciprocate as well. Thank you, for, thank you for greeting everyone. You may be seated, and as you, as you are, let's offer a prayer unto the Lord as we uh, do present ourselves before, the, before God, the one who has redeemed us, called us by name. Oh, Lord, we are happy to be here in this place. We're happy to be here with our brothers and sisters. We're happy to be here because we can lift our voices and praise the one who has redeemed us. We can give thanks to the one who is with us day by day. We can also give thanks that you have forgiven us and that each day that we walk along our own pathway, our own journey, that you are there, you talk to us along the way, you hear our earnest prayers. We come now dedicating ourselves to you in this time of worship. May it truly be received as we intend it from the depths of our heart. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
may be seated as we turn our, in your Bibles to our first lesson from Scripture today. From Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what is already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Here ends our first lesson from Scripture. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And in honor of the Gospel, will you, if you're able, stand for the reading? <coughs> On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased. And there was a dead calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with awe and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. seated well how do you know you don't know what because why how do you know there's candy because your grandpa said there was oh, okay well look i want to uh talk to you for just a minute today oh we had a maximum you okay okay i want to talk to you for just a minute today about something that i hope we can do here i'm I'm looking for it to see if we can because I had um, prearranged this and now now it's not quite what I wanted to wanted to do with it. 
But sometimes when we're at home or maybe at school, something happens and we become a little bit frightened. And we need to know that somebody's there to take care of us, right? No? You, you know, do you ever... Um, do you ever have to, do you ever hear someone say to you, you know, you need to get under, uh, under the, you feel like you need to get under the bed or something like that because you're just afraid? No, you don't ever feel like that? Well, I want you to listen to something here. I'm getting Mr. Chris to turn this up, and I hope that this works. And I want you to tell me what it is, okay? Let's see if this works. was that? Thunder. Thunder? Thunder. Lightning. Heard, yeah, lightning and thunder. It was a storm, wasn't it? And do you ever get frightened by storms? No, I do. You do? Jack, do you, are you afraid of anything? Mm. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he is? Okay. Yes. Well, th thunderstorms frighten a lot of folks. Thunderstorms. <laughs> do they frighten you? Sometimes. No. They don't. We have some really well-adjusted kids up here. <laughs> if we were to ask some folks out there, I bet some of them would say, they frighten me. Storms frighten me. I, I know I have a friend who, anytime the, the weather, set, weather radar says there's going to be a storm, they start, they just sort of freak out. <laughs> they want to know, should I go, go home or should I stay here? Should I, what am I supposed to do? And they start watching the Weather Channel, it gets worse. You know, they start watching James Spann, and he just gets them all worked up. And they, he came to your school? Yeah. He gets sort of, he gets excited about storms, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. <laughs> Take my word for it. But anyway, storms can frighten us. But there are a lot of other things that frighten us, too. And even though you might be separated from family sometimes, and you can't get to them, and they can't get to you, there's one that's always with us, right? Dr. Roxborough read about Jesus being in the boat with some of his disciples, and they were in the boat during a storm, and it came up unexpectedly. But there was one with them that calmed it, that storm. And he calmed it in their mind, if nothing else, but he calmed it in, in reality, too. So when we hear those storms and we're lying in our bed maybe and we hear that lightning and we don't want to just put our head under the pillow and some of you may just enjoy that, just some extra sleep. Yeah. But if you do, you yes. might just to, but there might be other things that are frightening to you. And, and we can know that there's one. Jesus is there and he will be with us and help us think and calm, calm our uh, minds and, and um, make us less frightened too. So... There's also, uh, in addition to Jesus being there in our family, we can always count upon the Holy Spirit to be with us, to comfort us, and to um, calm our, our fears. So we want to offer a prayer to thank God for that, that we have someone with us always, and that we can, we can trust in that, okay? Lord, we thank you that you are with us always, that in life storms, and in those real storms that we face as we go out into the, into the physical world, that you are always with us. Whatever we face, you are there. You will be with us through all of that. May we have faith in you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, some, there's a room with some candy up here. Yay. And I don't know. Let's see if it is. But, Jack, um, I think your granddad said, don't give you any. But I don't, does that? <laughs> no, that's okay. Just, just about three pieces each. Okay. Okay. That's good. I think that's good. Yeah, that's plenty. Jack, you listen, you got, you got so much the week before. Remember, you had your hands full. Do you want one more piece? 
think I met my match. <laughs> All right. Not anymore, no. Okay. Y'all, yeah, you got you got some. join me as we bring our intercessory prayers to God this morning. Will we shall we pray? Almighty and ever living God, you are the author and giver of all good things. Graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase within us true religion. Nourish us with all your goodness and grace. As we come before you today, Lord, we bring different thoughts and feelings. Some of us are joyful glad to be here, full of thanksgiving. Some of us are here reluctantly, out of a sense of duty. Some of us are weighed down, burdened by responsibility, worried, disheartened. Some of us are not really here, still caught up in yesterday or already thinking about tomorrow. As we reflect on the past week of things we've said or not said, things we've done or not done, we sense a need of your mercy. Yet whatever our feelings and thoughts, Lord God, you are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that we can depend on your welcoming love, your compassionate understanding, your gracious forgiveness, and your promise to be with us. We come to you today to pray for our world. We especially remember this morning so many lives lost so quickly and tragically in the earthquake in Italy. We pray for those who are seeking to bring relief, comfort, and hope to a situation which must be filled with despair and grief. We pray for those who grieve loved ones, homes, families, health. We bring them before you this morning in prayer. We pray for the country of Syria where so many people are suffering as the result of leadership which thinks only of itself and not in the needs of its people. We pray for the success of ceasefire agreements so that relief can be brought to people in desperate need. And Lord, we pray for all people whom we know in their daily life and work, for our families, our friends, our neighbors, especially for those who are alone. We name before you individuals experiencing personal hardship or facing an uncertain future, those separated from loved ones, those who grieve, those who are sick in hospital, ill at home, anxious about surgical procedures. Hear us, O Lord, as we lift up all whom we know and love, whose situations we place before you. We bring them and ask that in your mercy you would hear our prayers. And all these are prayers offered audibly and silently. We bring in the strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
the perfect storm was a runaway bestseller some years ago, a hair-raising account, story of a New England fishing fleet's encounter with the storm of a century. Conversion one, a rare occurrence took place, a combination of atmospheric factors converging to bring about what meteorologists called the perfect storm. I don't know how it was perfect with hurricane force winds and waves over a hundred feet high. And without warning, the story of what happened, the boats that made it and the boats that didn't, the heroic rescues by the Coast Guard was turned into a movie. One reviewer commented, a breathless sense of what it feels like to be caught, helpless, in the grip of the force of nature beyond our understanding or control. I don't know about you, but there are times where I don't like to be feeling that I'm out of control. Of course, it's an illusion to think that we're in control because sometimes things occur that leave us perfectly helpless. It seemed a good idea at the time. I was living in a fishing community in the northeast of Scotland, north of Aberdeen, pastor of the local Baptist church, and one of the deacons owned a fishing boat, and it had been in a neighboring harbor for refurbishment for several weeks. He told me it was ready to go and collect the boat and come down about 15 miles from one harbor to another harbor. I'd never been in a fishing boat before, so it seemed a good idea at the time. So I went with James and his two sons, Bruce and John. I knew that something was going badly wrong when we came out of the harbor and we hit the edge of the harbor wall. And then it was 15 miles of up and down, up and down, up and down. I was conscious that the two boys were looking at their pastor, wondering when the pastor was going to make his way to the side of the boat. But the pastor was determined that in the midst of the storm, somebody had told him, keep your eyes on the horizon. So not saying a word, for I don't know how long it was, but it seemed like a lifetime, I did that, and I made it to dry land. I can understand how the disciples felt in that perfect storm on the Sea of Galilee. They were fishermen. They had had storms and gales and upsets before. But here they are, after a day of listening to Jesus teach, they're on the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly one of these squalls breaks out. And the water is already coming into the boat. And they're looking around at each other, wondering, what are we going to do? And then they look to Jesus, and Jesus is sleeping. And they say to him, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? The problem of pain and suffering is something that Paul approaches on two occasions within chapter 8 of Romans. But the problem of suffering is one that we all grapple with. We've seen it this week as we've seen the devastating impact of an earthquake on, on Italy. So many lives lost, about 291 so far, and many people whose little towns and villages have been raised to the ground in just a few moments. But we note ourselves, why has this happened? Why has he been taken from me? It's the cry that took place on the streets of Bethlehem as Herod's soldiers came to slaughter the infants. It's the question of young Eli Weisel as he sees a fellow prisoner watching the execution of a child and saying, where is God? Now, some people give bland and, I think, cliched answers. They sometimes suggest that God even causes tragedy to teach us some things. Or some say God is indifferent, and where is God anyway? Or God's behind everything that happened, and perhaps even we're responsible for what God is doing to us. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit like Job when I, Job when I reject such ideas. I think Job got it wrong, got it right and his friends got it wrong. Some people put the focus on the power of God, and God is undoubtedly powerful. In some ultimate sense, God is in control. God wouldn't be God without his almightiness. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and so we declare that when we sing, a mighty fortress is our God. In the times of trouble, we turn to this one who is a mighty fortress to protect us, 
But also we sing, beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. When it comes to it, thinking about God, I think more about the love of God than the power of God. The love of God without power is, of course, useless, but the power of God without love can become despotic. Paul wants to think about suffering in these verses. As I say, he readdresses the topic later on, and we'll do that in a couple of weeks' time. But here in this particular section of Romans 8, he wants us to see suffering in terms of the impact that sin and evil has brought into our world. And so he, by implication, refers back to the story of the first entry, according to the biblical account, of sin into the world. Now, very often when we read the first few chapters of Genesis, we, we get involved and sometimes overwhelmed by questions of scientific accuracy and history and so on. I don't think that these chapters are meant to be in any way a scientific account of the beginning of humanity. It's a religious understanding of the fact that God is creator and he's created everything good, but something happened and sin and evil has come into God's world. And this impact is that the whole of creation, says Paul, is groaning, is groaning. Suffering has come. We are called to love the world that God has given to us, but often we despoil it, and often we bring suffering into the world. Genesis indicates that when sin comes, and this is the way that Genesis puts it, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. Gosh, they grow so well, don't they, in the summer of Alabama with all the rain and all the heat they have. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. Every time you're perspiring in the yard, remember the entry of evil into the world. I want to blame somebody called Adam for all that's happening. And yet this passage also reminds us that creation is good. Creation is something that brings us pleasure. It brings pleasure to God, according to Genesis. Every time that God creates something, he looks at it and he says, that's good. I don't know if God uses this particular word, awesome, or something like that. At the heart of our faith, there is the goodness and fullness of God's creation, which we've made a mess of. E.E. E. Cummings, in his inimitable, non-punctuated way, puts it this way, I thank thee, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirit of trees, and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I don't know exactly what he meant by that last line, but for me it is the yes of God to creation, the yes of God to blessing those whom he has brought into being, the yes of God which often we have responded to with a no, and that no has implications, and that no has consequences, and that no has often brought pain and evil and suffering. But Paul says in this passage, creation which is good and creation which is groaning is looking forward to something better to come. Creation, says Paul, waits with eager longing to experience the future that God has for it. When Paul talks about the groaning of suffering in this particular passage, he's doing so not with despair, with realistic understanding, but not with despair, but with hope. And the word that he uses, it, it suggests the stretching out of the neck, you know? The stretching out of the neck if you're in a soccer stadium or a, a football stadium to, to see what's happening on the field, to look forward to what is coming. J.B. Phillips says, the whole of creation is on tiptoe, <laughs> looking forward to what God is doing and what God will do. So we face suffering, says Paul, we encounter the storms of life, which are anything but perfect, with the hope that God is still at work, that God's purposes will one day be accomplished. Has God abandoned His creation? Has God 
given up because of sin and evil? Far from it. Paul suggests that God loves and blesses the world and human life by visiting it, by becoming part of it, by living and dying in it, and by rising again to redeem it. The whole creation, Paul says, is groaning in anticipation, waiting for, longing for its renewal. Paul testifies here that all creation, not just human creation, not just us, but all creation, all creation, human, plant, animal, the cosmos, all of it is in pain and suffering, but looking forward to that which God is bringing about. The good news that we call the gospel, the good news says to us that even in our groaning, even in our pain, even when it seems that everything is falling apart, even when the storms come and it seems that God has fallen asleep, we stand on tiptoe with creation, waiting and watching for God to intervene. We pray, we ask. These groans are not groans of despair. They're groans of their labor pains, Paul says. Their labor pains are painful, but they're filled with a fervent hope that something is, bound, is about to be born. Something is about to happen. God is doing something new, and we look forward to it in hope. It's a remarkable passage, this. It, it tells us so much. For me, it tells me that, that God has given us our world, and it's good, and we make a mess of it, and we're not, we're not meant to do that. We're meant to care for creation. The biblical word is, is dominion, but actually means to care for. It doesn't mean to despoil. It doesn't mean to waste. It means to care for creation, because all of creation matters to God. One of the most remarkable verses in Scripture, I think, is the last verse of the book of Jonah. Jonah has been troubled that God is interested in a foreign nation called Assyria and a city called Nineveh. The city and the nation that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, and Jonah has no interest in that people finding God to be merciful. This is how God addresses Jonah in the last verse of the book. He says, Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? End of Jonah. Where did the many animals come from? It's, weird, it's strange. Well, it's not strange if you remember that God has created all things probably a few stray dogs in there, no? probably. God loves His creation, and we ought to love it as well. But we know that something has gone wrong, and we feel the effects of it. These verses don't suggest that God has abandoned us in our suffering. Paul doesn't provide easy answers, cliches to help us, but there is a promise. There is a promise that in the mystery of all that's happening, God hasn't fallen asleep. God has intervened. God has come to be with us, to be born, incarnate, crucified, and risen. He's come to identify and to take our suffering and to bear it upon Himself and to give us hope and promise of something better that is to come. And this is the good news. This is the good news that helps us to keep going. This is the good news that helps us not to despair. This is the good news that keeps us on tiptoe, looking forward to what God is doing and will do. The promise is that in Jesus Christ, God has not abandoned us. Not that He will save us from the storms, but He is with us in them. It is the promise in the ministry of His presence the assumption of our humanity, the concern he has that creation will not be abandoned entirely. This is the God who, like the disciples in the perfect storm on the Sea of Galilee, you can wake up in prayer and you can say, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. 
I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me through. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for creating us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us promises of your presence and of a future. Lord, in the midst of all that we face individually and corporately, help us to trust you and put our hope in your promises. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Our hymn of promise, of commitment, is a well-known hymn. It is well with my soul, 573. Shall we stand to sing?
Will you pray with me? God of our salvation, let us remember always the words of this wonderful hymn. And let us remember the words of Paul. We often forget that many things we do are not pleasing. We're not doing well with what you have given us. We know that you are the God of calm and stay. We know also that you have provided us with many things that we have. At this time, may we give back a part of those things in thanks to you. And may we ever be mindful that you are watching over us no matter what comes our way. In Christ's name, amen.
Oh, Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings into your house. We pray, oh, Lord, they might be used for your kingdom's work in this community and then beyond. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a seat for just a moment, please. Today, as we've gathered, we've been reminded of God's gracious presence with us always in all its situations of life, for which we're always grateful. And a part of that is to know that God's presence is with us through the Holy Spirit everywhere we go each day and when we welcome people into this place of worship. So we hope that all of our guests, those who are visiting with us today, have been received warmly, that you've uh, had a good Southside welcome today, and we trust that you will linger long enough in the narthex to uh, have some lemonade and cookies there, and we'll uh, continue to, uh, to greet you and find out a little bit more about you. It is uh, good that you're here with us today. Each week we have activities, both on Sundays, but also midweek, and then after uh, that on Thursdays, and then in the, mo- in the weeks to come there'll be some other opportunities as well, because we, uh, we truly seek to live out our faith day by day, engaging others in that uh, continual journey that we all make, and a part of that certainly is to, uh, to come here in this place, and today as we've worshiped, the choir has, as always, led us in some beautiful music. Dr. Roxborough with an outstanding sermon again today. And then we go out into the world to be able to share that with those that we encounter day by day. Today as we prepare to go, listen as the choir has their choral benediction after Dr. Roxborough pronounces our benediction today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and hope this day and all the days of your life.